0: Welcome to Pray for Micah. And now your host, Micah Chrisman.
1: Hello, welcome to Pray for Micah podcast. The podcast we are being prayed for by the Mormons today. Today the Mormons are praying for Micah. Because they know that, you know, I'm into the polyamory, but not so much into uh,
0: <laughs> into
1: the rest of the religion. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but, yes, the Mormons are praying for Micah. So, hey, we're we're here with Nika Cotton today. I don't know if the Mormons are praying for you. I think they gave up.
2: <laughs> they should have given up
1: a long time ago. <laughs> they should have. Have you ever had a Mormon come knock on your door?
2: Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, mostly, are who usually come knock on my door. There was a point, actually, that I just, like, separated from my kid's dad and was, like, just super lonely. And and this like Jehovah's Witness lady would keep coming to knock on my door. So I finally was just like, you just come inside and we can have a chat. <laughs> and so every time she'd stop in, I'd be like, yep, come sit at the table and listen to me. So she was like my therapist for a few months. Oh, that's nice. It was cool. She would come every week. And I was like, yep, that's fine. You can come. We can have some tea and we can chat. I'll read your literature and everything. <laughs> I just need a friend right now. Wow. So she was nice. Of course, she wanted me to come to church, and I never would come to church. Sure. I was just like, nope, you're just going to come here and talk to me because I'm lonely.
1: <laughs> it takes some dedication to, to go knocking on people's doors. Every
2: week, yep. And yeah. I'm like, hey, strangers stranger just up to my door. She was actually a really sweet lady, too. She was mm. really nice and had like done a lot of stuff in life. And so it was fun when we were just like talking about life stuff. You know, it always got kind of diverted back to, well, you know, my church, we believe, this and this and that. Sure. So, which is always the second thing about proselytizing is because it puts an extra layer in between, like, just being human with each other and just, like, supporting each other. Right. Through things. Is like, well, actually, I need you to fit into the standards of living, and then you'll be happier.
1: <laughs> That's how it was I, when I had a... I guess he was RLDS. He wasn't pure, unadulterated Mormon. You know, he was the kind of watered-down version of a Mormon. And... uh you know, he would come to my youth group, and, you know, my youth group was the one that was praying in tongues and Shalabah, and, mm-hmm. and he just was not having it. He was like, he came with me one time. We'd hang out and still, like, play video games and stuff, but that definitely was his mission, you mm-hmm. know, to witness. And so, but he was my mission, because I was like, oh, man, you don't even know what it's like. <laughs> We're both going to bring you. Yeah. Uh, over like to the spirit. The side. You're going to get, like, filled with the spirit, and you're going to cast out this you know, Joseph Smith demons in you, you know? And you're going to read the real Bible. and. Oh, no! And he was like, I'm going to show you the Mormon Bible and the book of the Articles of Covenant or whatever it is, the Pearl of Great Price. That's the other big book that they all read.
2: Oh, this. joy. Religion is a funny, funny thing that way, isn't it?
1: Everyone's got their sacred texts and
0: mm-hmm.
1: it just uh, you know, at least some of the books in the Bible are a little older. You know, the Book of Mormon, I feel like, is only, like, what, a couple hundred years old? It's an mm. American religion, basically. Yep. When an angel came to him. Oh, we won't bash on the Mormons. So, if you're a Mormon, <laughs> we're sorry. But we're sure you're good people. You apparently... Well, Jehovah's Witness came and knocked on the, Nika's yes, door. and
2: provided me months of free therapy. Yeah.
1: There's, there's still <laughs> the ability to have personal relationships and connection with people, despite our religious differences. That's yeah. the whole point of this podcast, is mm-hmm. hopefully we can... Uh, see our differences set them aside yeah. and still find mutual connection you know? I
2: feel like a lot of like ancient civilizations have you know everybody's always developed their theories of what's beyond us you know what we can see why we're here we all you know for gener- or since the beginning of human history have developed these stories right about mm. why we're here to give some meaning and purpose to our lives but I feel like usually societies develop these very like, Earth-based and very like authentic expressions, you know, of ways to like commune with spirit and with the divine. And so I feel like religion kind of takes some of that authenticity away, you know, from the way that we commune with the divine sometimes. And it's sad in those ways, but it's good in the ways that it gives people hope
1: for something, you know. With the enlightenment era, like with the whole response to like Darwinism. And science, like religion, Christianity in particular, was like, well, we need to make this this book, these like spiritual texts. They need to now be like historical documents. They need to be scientific documents. Mm-hmm. They need to be like social contract documents mm-hmm. about family and about, and like that's not at all how ancient Christians used these texts. Yeah. You know, they didn't use them as this dictating text of mm-hmm. like. Oh, don't know what to do? Okay, I guess I'll go, you know... And we still share stories from the Bible as metaphor. and we. But then Christians say, oh, no, it has to be literal. The earth was created in six days. Mm-hmm. So as a result, like, you know, I didn't know about anything other than creationist theory growing up, you know. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the only truth. And yet, oh, like, maybe there's room for my spiritual belief in a deity into a, of a god... But I also evolved (laughs) with all the other creatures on this planet. And maybe all of this was started somewhere else in the Big Bang or what have you.
2: Yeah. I think the beautiful thing about, like, being writers, because you're a writer and I'm a writer, is we can always create our own stories, you know. Create our own theories about, like, why we are the way that we are. Like, there's space to do that. I feel there's space to do that. Because you have to really personalize that. That can't be something that you just, like, Accept from this like social contract, right? That this is the way that my life is. Like, no, like maybe if you the way that you feel diverges from that way, then you should be able to create another
1: story. I I literally feel like I some ways grew closer to God, um, from a, like a core centered like not necessarily towards like this deity, mm-hmm. you know, created by like this idea of God and and me was even when I was rewriting my books my fantasy series Mm -hmm. that i still haven't like republished the new version and try to get publishers but yeah it's all kind of always a perpetual work in progress but like i changed like just the relationship dynamic between god and my book to my character and like Mm -hmm. everything was always so black and white here are the villains you were and just trying to like change it subtly you know i was sharing with josh casey other another person i've shared on this podcast with um like, I went ahead and my book just, like, God is uh, um, both the all-father and the all-mother. So they call them, you know, them the all-one. So they go by they, them, you know. And just, like, this idea that God is genderless and just how, mm. like, why does God, you know. You
2: make God transgendered, Micah. Right. I pray I mean,
1: for you. <laughs> pray for me. <laughs> Uh, but no, I don't know. Just like it, it really became beautiful. Like so I think for some people, like we need God to be a mother to us. Sometimes we need God to be a father to us, a mm-hmm. brother, or sister. And just how um, far stretched it is to just be like, no, it's this nebulous entity that encapsulates the whole universe and somehow has a very distinct penis, you know? <laughs> you know. Like, right. This sounds patriarchy. To it has me, to stand
2: know? up. Yep. It has to uphold the patriarchy. <laughs>
1: but speaking of writing, you were talking about some of your writing, you know? I know. You want to share a little bit about mm-hmm. your books that you've written in the past?
2: Yeah. I write a lot of, like, poetry about love. And stuff. I don't know. I really am inspired by like mystic poetry, Rumi, Kabir, Hafez. My poetry collection is called *The Spirit of the Quest*. There's a spiritual teacher's um, name is called Kabir. He's like a 18th century Middle East Middle Eastern prophet, mm. right? And so there's all these like stories about him, and then um, and some of his writings, of course, are um, in like public um, record. And so it's available anywhere. You can just Google online and read most of his books because they're so ancient, the texts, and they're translated to so many different languages. Um, but he has a quote from one of his teachings that says, it's the spirit of the quest that helps, and I'm a slave of the spirit of the quest. Mm. So just the idea, like, it, you know, it's not about, like, the destination of where you're going. It's about the spirit of the quest. Like, I'm a mm. slave to that spirit, to that thing that kind of you know drives me to go for something. And I, I loved that. I really, really liked it when I read it. I think I got the book for free on like my Kindle. You know, you can get certain books for free that are really, really old books usually. Mm-hmm. And read it and was just completely in love with like the ideas and you know kind of the philosophies. And so I wrote a lot of my poetry, kind of in the same vein of mystic poets. It, it was fun <laughs> it was also very healing and so i like how you talk about your writing process as bringing you as like a spiritual practice mm-hmm. you know as like that's your like authentic expression of connection with the divine is this writing practice and it's unique to you you yeah. know because nobody can write what you write right and so i love that i, I, lo- I love making spiritual practices that are authentic and unique to me that nobody else can express that, you know, spiritual practice. I don't have to proselytize it. I don't have to bring anybody else (laughs) into my, you know, spiritual practice. It's just about me expressing authentically with the divine. So most of my poetry is that way. Um, Some stuff I write just for, you know, because somebody asked me to write it. So it's not always that way, but typically it's just authentic expression. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you got two of them out yeah I, have, so I actually
2: have three um self-published poetry collections the first two i published on blurb.com um, which is like a self-published publishing platform and then the third one um, i published on amazon and be, when i published it it was amazon create space now it's like kindle direct publishing yeah is the name of the platform so it's a really easy way to publish and like get isb a number for your book and all of that in one place it's pretty fun. And then I'm working on a fourth one. So the first one is um, The Spirit of the Quest, um, Poetic Reflections on the Journey of a Soul. The second one is um, The Spirit of the Quest 2, um, In- <laughs> Intensity's Slave. That's very intense here. And then the third one is um, Spirit of the Quest 3, For the Love of the Sky.
1: For the Love of the Sky. For the
2: Love of the Sky. Yeah. Beautiful. And then the fourth one I'm working on is the spirit of the quest for a flower blooms. So we're about like kind of opening up and coming into yourself. You know, you think of the blooming of a flower. It's a very metaphorical, like kind of becoming what you are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's wonderful. And you're kind of been working on that probably like not coincidentally, but, you know, during the pandemic and stuff like.
2: Yeah, I've been adding it, adding to it here and there. Um, I've had this crazy writer's block. Um, so I started a, you know, business, a tea and coffee shop about a year ago. And, um, what's it called? Soul centricity.
1: Soul centricity. Soul
2: centricity. <laughs> I
1: already knew that. Just thought it.
2: And it's been fun, <laughs> but I feel like a lot of my creativity has been channeled into that instead, which it serves a lot of the same purpose. It is a very like authentic expression of myself to the world, you know, so I feel like it is very much like a home. Or, like, this love, you know, this love being that I created.
1: <laughs> that should have been a quote in the Kansas City Star article about you. Like, you cotton. Soul centricity is like a poem. <laughs> it is a poem to the world. It's poetry to
0: the people.
2: It is. It's a lot of my creative energy has gone into that, I think. And I've kind of taken a, a break from writing a bit. But I'm coming back to it a little more. I've been um, working on that fourth book. And then, which I've been working on that book for a few years and I've just been kind of waiting around to publish it. And I feel like a lot, a lot, in a lot of ways, each of the books is sort of like a a bookmark of a phase in my life. And so I feel like maybe this, you know, fourth phase has kind of stretched out a little bit longer because I really have kind of come into my authentic expression of myself. And so I'll probably publish it. Like when I feel like I'm there, (laughs) when I feel like I've bloomed, I've come to that authentic expression and then I'll be ready to put that book out and then start on the next thing.
1: Well, don't wait too long. I know if I was kind of waiting for the same thing, I would never publish it because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm always growing. I'm never blooming. Yeah, you're all, yeah.
2: (laughs) This is true. We're always growing and blooming. And it's always like a coming back too. Yeah. Of things, yeah. Because a lot of it has also been, um, you know, just healing work. I feel like spirituality and healing work is kind of one in the same for me. And so a lot of even the process in my book has been me kind of doing some of my healing work. And the poetry is very much reflecting some of those processes that I'm going through while I'm in the the healing process. So. So, yeah, I feel like I'm still doing, like, this process this phase and once this phase is over then i'll kind of put that book out there and start on the next phase (laughs)
1: Start on the next healing phase and start on the
2: next healing phase i have been writing this um it's my first novel it's called memoirs of a muse and it's a like a fictitious memoir and so it's my first attempt at actually writing like a novel that's not poetry but it's in prose and so it Mm -hmm. is like a series of poems like each of the you know snippets in the memoir is about like a different lover that this muse inspires and is inspired by mm. and falls in love with. And so, but each one is very like poetic and, you know, kind of rhymey and a lot of alliteration and stuff. And so that's been fun. And it's, I've been trying to just like do it whenever I feel kind of in love.
1: <laughs> like kind with yourself, people, the yeah, world. Yeah, just in general. Yeah. Just feeling that. Yeah. Like in love, love with life. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Just feeling that, like being in that space and then writing in from that
1: space. I never thought about that we always talk about being in love as like mm-hmm. this phase that comes into us when we're with this like you know the butterflies in the stomach mm-hmm. relationship or something but never think about just being in love like with life like mm-hmm. and I know that sounds cliche but like having that same air of like I'm in love oh Micah who are you in love with myself <laughs> and my healing process and life <laughs> Does it have to be somebody? I'm just going to be single forever, okay? (laughs) I'm in love. Just let me be in love. I
2: mean, I think you can. And I think also you attract people when you have that feeling of like just being, you know, happy and content. And you attract like more of the right kinds of people, I think, when you're in that space. And I feel like that's always the space that I go to when I'm writing is this this space of just like, you know, or when like when you hear a good love song or when you read a good love poem, you have that feeling, even though it's not geared towards somebody specifically so that feeling is separate from being with somebody else
1: yeah yeah I love that yeah yeah we can create that butterfly in the stomach effect without
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you read a good poem man Mm -hmm. it will just feel like ugh yeah there's so many good poems like that that just make you feel that feeling and songs
1: yeah what's a song you've been listening to lately that can you think of anything offhand? Something that's been inspiring you lately?
0: Mm-hmm. I
2: haven't listened to a lot of love songs. Um, there's this song recently that I found. It's called Phenomenon. And it's by this artist. His name is Odie. O-D-I-E. I hadn't heard it before. It was like in my Spotify is like something you might like based on what you've listened to. Which I mm-hmm. love about Spotify that you can always get introduced to new music. Right. But it's such a cool song. I like looked up the lyrics, Like stopped you know, my car once I got to the house, like, put the song on repeat, and looked up the lyrics while it was playing. <laughs> <laughs> like I got to learn this song. This is just a, a beautiful song. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cool. It's just about like, you know, there's a, a quote from the song where he's like, um, even though I'm here on Earth, heaven is the place I'm worth.
1: Mm, you know, wow. it's just
2: like this, uh, it was just a feel good song. I really liked
0: it.
1: Yeah! Wow! Mm-hmm. What's it called again?
2: It's called Phenomenon. Phenomenon. And the You're artist a shout is out.
1: Odie. O d i e. Odie gets a shout out. Phenomenon. Shout out, Phenomenon. <laughs> I'm all about. I don't have ads on this show yet, so you know, I'm all about just giving free ad space to mm-hmm. <laughs> the artist or whoever's gonna randomly come up in the episode, you know. hmm Uh, there's a song I've been listening to called "Better in the Morning." And mm-hmm. I'm blanking on who the artist is. Um, Better in the morning. And it honestly is. It sounds kind of like a kind of Gaelic, Irishy kind of folk song. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure the band's not that. Um, but um, I don't know. It's just one of those songs where even the lyrics don't quite make sense to me. He almost sounds angsty. He's uh-huh. like kind of like, but it has like this so so such a beautiful melody, and it's so like. Um, just, it's like the perfect song to like sing harmony to, or just like, so mm-hmm. I literally have been like whistling and humming it while I walk.
2: That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I love those songs that you like make you feel kind of upbeat while you
1: exercise and we'll, right. we'll walk outside. But yeah. But I just like the idea of the premise of like, I'll be better in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how bad today may be.
2: You have to send me that later. Yeah. Is my
1: phone's not letting me search.
2: Like, nope, get off of me.
1: So, yeah, notice uh, last time you were here, you noticed my timeline of your life poster that I put on my door, and now we've got a good framing of it. Kind of so intense <laughs> mm-hmm. in the camera, yeah. It's like a whole map out of like major milestones for the average human of like mm-hmm. the average age when you walk, the average age, um, like the peak fertility in men women average age for like becoming grandparents and then we noticed you noticed actually the like year 47 apparently is the year of most average unhappiness yeah and so we were kind of before we started the show kind of googling and looking that that up like why is that a thing did what did you find when you were googling things did you Did you find a a reason why? Yeah, I found lots
2: of articles on it. So it's really a thing that a lot of people report. Like, these are studies that they've done where a lot of people report that at 47, they felt their most unhappy. Like, even though, you know, they had great careers and, you know, things as far as success markers in their life were just fine. But they just felt so, like, discontent and unhappy with themselves. And some of the articles I I read said it's because at that point, people kind of start to realize, okay, this is it. Like what I've done at this point in my life is what I'm going to do with my life, you Mm -hmm. know, where they, you know, are looking toward, or they're getting close to 50. And so they're starting to feel that milestone of 50, like hovering over them. Like, wow, I'm, you know, getting old (laughs) (laughs) and getting to the place where I've done what I'm going to do with my life. And so a lot of people just are are really, really unhappy at 47. I Hmm. found that interesting.
1: Yeah. It is really interesting.
2: Yeah. And kind of like a little bit sad because I'm like, man, like we are not as unhappy as we're going
1: to be, Micah. (laughs) (laughs) You mean it gets worse? It gets worse. (laughs) You mean there's more things that become dissatisfying uh, in the future? Yeah. I, I, I appreciate because you were saying though, that the article said like, People actually, the, the happiness picks back up in their 50s. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's almost like we always think 50 is like, you know, the midlife crisis. But it makes sense that like in the middle of that time frame, like before you hit 50, that's really when mm-hmm. you start to like really wrestle with it. And again, these are averages. So, you know, some yeah. people maybe go through it later in life, people earlier. But basically it comes to a point where like, what is my life Some What's the summation mm-hmm. of my life about? You know? It's
2: like, what have I done? And this
1: life? is who... And I feel that every day, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. there's just moments where I'm like, I mean, there's always that, like, I have to learn to be content with the here and now because otherwise I'll never be enjoying the present. Yeah. But.
2: Yeah. I think if you live like that consistently, like, okay, accept this moment for what it is. Because I think a lot of that discontent was like, people are, are feeling regret. You know, for like, oh, like I've made it here to 47 and this is it. This is like what I've done, what I've accomplished is what I'm going to accomplish. It says people kind of give up on a lot of their dreams at that point too. Because they're just like, oh, if I haven't published this great novel by now, Mm -hmm. uh, it's not going to happen. You know, like I've done all the stuff I'm going to do in the world. But it says by 50 people kind of start to accept like, okay, this is who I am. This is what I've given to the world and I can just move into being an elder. And not want to give anything else, but I don't know. That just doesn't seem doesn't sit right with me. But I do like the idea. If you live in the moment all the time, if you're always taking advantage of this moment that you're in, you're never gonna get to that point of regret. You know, Mm -hmm. because you're just like, okay, I've I've lived. I've taken you know every chance that I could take. I've done a lot of crazy things.
1: <laughs> oh, do tell! No. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about all of them. I don't want to hear about the crazy things, the crazy <laughs> Nika stories? Um, my I think we're doing pretty good for our age, as far as the adventures yeah, and things we've done. We you know, are. yeah. You've got two beautiful kids. Mm-hmm. You've got you're going, doing that adventure right now. Yeah, and, and
2: I kind of, like I look forward to 47 because that's 10 years from now, and like my youngest will be 19. And so he'll really be, like, a full adult and be out in the world. I'm like, that's when my life is going to start. Is, <laughs> because I really won't have any responsibilities. I can, like, literally just pick up and do what I want to do. You know, like, I've never been on a cruise. I've never, you know, done a lot of things.
1: <laughs> oh, you could do that stuff earlier. But you started a store. You started a, a, a tea shop I in the middle did. of a pandemic with kids. Like, we, I think we'd be amazed at what, like, our capabilities are. That's you know? true. Yeah, like, it's always a surprise, but mm-hmm. I think it does take intention, and that's the only thing that, like, unfortunately, it's hard to give inten- like attention and intention to things, like mm-hmm. when you got so many things fighting for your attention. You know? Yeah, definitely. Responsibilities, jobs, chores, all that stuff. Yeah, but, it is rough. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't suspect you and I will be the type of people who will. Be like so dissatisfied with our lives, like you know. There's so many people who just I can't imagine. They don't even blink about their meaning, their purpose. They'll mm-hmm. they'll wake up every day and like I work construction, I do this thing, mm-hmm. and again, not to slam those jobs or whatever, but you know, just there's just folks who just like I stopped growing the minute I got out of school. You mm-hmm. know, the minute I graduated high school, yeah. I stopped learning. You
2: know, we yep. just do the same thing from the time you graduate until the time that you retire.
1: I had a friend who told me, and I think it was probably one of the wisest things he said. His name's Tom. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom's a good friend. And I he, Tom. he said that, in his experience, people grow old the day they decide to stop learning. Mm-hmm. That basically, when they've decided, like, yeah, like, I kind of know what I'm going to know. I don't mm-hmm. really want to learn a new thing. This is it. And so I think even, like, people at the beginning of the pandemic who were like, I'm going to work on learning a language. Or I'm going to, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: work on... Doing this and that. Oh, here comes a uh, little motor vehicle or something. <laughs> Hopefully it's not. Oh, it's just the neighbor on the lawnmower. But Also, all the other sound effects are going on. For those who aren't on the video side of the podcast, the hookah bubbling noise you're hearing is the hookah. Oh it's like, what are they doing? Are they smoking a bong? You know, no, just hookah. hookah. Just <laughs> Middle Eastern tobacco. <laughs> the ancient of oldest of tobaccos. It is ancient. Yeah, Nika knows my struggles as far as like, you know, I've quit smoking cigarettes, been like a six year, you know, thing. And so I'm like month, I'm in my third month now, not buying cigarettes and I still let myself smoke a hookah, um, you know, but I was doing hookah and cigarettes, all of it, you know, so I'm just like one less smoking thing
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: just try to like be intentional with each day like
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm feeling the craving right now can i wait till dinner time can i wait till after dinner time before I, you know smoke some of it tonight
2: mm-hmm. but i feel like hookah is also very much more intentional because you really got to prep it you know it's really a process that you do so it's more mindful i feel like then you know cigarettes are so easy just like take one out of pack smoke it it's gone before you even thought thought about it but and then I'd just do it all day. And you do know? it all day, and then yeah. And like, every couple hours, hour. you got to, you know, get some more coals and warm them up, and you got to kind of tap the coals a little bit.
1: Definitely tastes better. This is a it cashmere is flavor a, we're smoking a, today. It's
2: so. <laughs> Tell about this process.
1: Yeah, I think for me, like, I'm 32 years old and just, like, realize, like, you know, it only gets harder, diction's and stuff, as you get older. And so I had to just start... Deciding, like, all right. I told myself I would quit before I was 30 when I was back in college, you know. (laughs) Or when I was smoking after college. And now it's, like, coming down to the wire where you just, you know, brass tacks have to, (laughs) you know, go after what you feel like is going to be healthier. Walk in my dog more. Mm
0: -hmm. Like, okay, I got an urge
1: for something. Okay, I'm going to go do something. You know, work on my piano, you know. I love it. Just try to fill up that... Energy, focus it somewhere else. So it gets my mind off of like. And I don't know, for me, like, I've always had eating problems um, with food. Food has always been a big comfort source, Mm -hmm. not just an energy source. It's like, hey, let me just eat some sugar about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let me just smoke about it, you know?
2: Yeah, like, triggers your brain. You like your reward system in your brain just kind of lights up.
1: And you know I don't know working talking with my therapist and you know we don't focus so much about the addictions but you know she just shared some with me one day that I just kind of just never thought of it but like how do you be your own comforter to yourself mm-hmm. like not and you know she didn't say not food you know but I'm that's how I started to kind of think of it it's like you know how do I nurture the inner mica Mm-hmm. without needing to feel like I need to have these things outside things to like nurture me mm-hmm. and care for me and uh so I figured if it's better to build these practices now before I reach 47 because <laughs> you know the timeline of my life you know, it'll be the, the most time happiest of your life. <laughs> time is ticking away tick, 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 tick. yeah <laughs> it's a good poster to, just a good reminder I feel like just to like put things in perspective like hey like you only get this one life, this one shot to live. Mm-hmm. And even, like, when I went with some friends uh, yesterday, um, we went cliff jumping in Stockton Lake, Missouri. It was just like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, the only thing that would make this better right now is a cigarette. And I just had to, th- that thought comes in my head every single time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the only thing that makes this better is just a cigarette. And, like, and I just had to stop and take a deep breath. Through my nose and smell the trees, smell the water, yeah. and just remind myself like, that's not the truth. Like, mm, <laughs> like I mean, it is the truth. Like, yeah, it was a cigarette would make it just that. That a little bit better. But mm. I'm here breathing and smelling this stuff. Yeah. like this this air, this oxygen, and I'm present with this nature, and so like, mm-hmm. I'm alive. Like, yeah, this is the best moment to mindful. be alive. Yeah. yeah, like it's, and we just don't we take it so for granted. Mm -hmm. so often you know so what makes you feel alive nika on top of running a tea shop doing your writing hanging out with your kids what are some Um, things make you feel alive?
2: all makes me feel alive this is like my favorite season i like everything about fall i love like the smells of fall i love pumpkin spice stuff i love the colors of fall I love the clothes. I have some boots I can't wait to wear and some yeah, sweaters. Yeah, I can't wait
1: to get some fall clothes.
2: Yeah. Eat. There's something about fall that's just like magical <laughs> for me. And, and part of it could just be like the change, the transition of seasons. You know, it's one thing I like about living in the Midwest is we really get all four seasons. Sometimes in the same month, even. Yeah, right. Midwest weather. But um, I don't know. There's something about that transition to fall that I really, really enjoy. So being outside makes me feel alive. Um, I've been listening to this. um, It's like an album that Deepak Chopra puts out with some of the mystic poetry of Rumi on it, and so he has like different poems by Rumi on this album, and then he has this like these little segments where he talks about different like mindful practices, and so one of them is surrender. And so I was like walking over to this waterfall at Cliff Drive Park yesterday and listening to like the sub the segment about surrender Mm. and you know which is a lot of what we were talking about about mindfulness like being in the moment is really like being in this state of surrender Mm. and of just like being in love with what's happening right now and kind of like giving up all of your like preconceived notions about things or your expectations that things will be any certain way and just kind of like surrendering to how things are right, right now. So, and it was really, really cool. It's like you surrender to this experience and like notice things. And so, like, I noticed like the spider webs. It like was telling you, mm-hmm. you know, there's like these spider webs that were going across the path, or like this one web. It was just a string that was going across the path. So, I think probably a spider web had like woven its string to go weave its web somewhere else, like connected it to something. And, you know, wanting to, or initially wanting to kind of duck underneath. The spider web, but being like, okay, well, maybe this is a blessing. Why don't I just go through the spider web? What's gonna happen if I just like walk through the spider web and the spider web is on my head? <laughs> 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 and then what? And so, kind of just like did that and felt it and experienced it. I was like, okay, maybe this is a blessing. Maybe this thing that I thought is a really scary thing. And, you know, usually if you hit a spider web, you kind of just like rub it off. You know, and right? You're, uh, uh, it's like uncomfortable, gross. but why? Yeah, right. it's not that gross. It's just like. It's actually a beautiful thing. Spider webs have a lot of like sacred geometry and symbolism yeah. in them, and it's really like a miracle if you think about it. They can just like weave these little structures to catch stuff in. It's beautiful, and so if you're in like in the moment and observing things, I feel like you can have those experiences yeah. with stuff. Whereas as opposed to you know we all I feel like we I overthink everything, <laughs> you know, just like overprocess all these things and create these bad experiences from your thoughts when you can just kind of surrender to the moment, and just be,
1: just be with the spiderwebs, just be
2: with the spider webs <laughs> in
1: nature. I wrote for fun. Like for me, you know, you know, I, I don't really write poetry like you do. And like lots of, I like your poems. Yeah. I, I, I like to write them when it's, but like, you know, it'll just hit me when like, it's just kind of like this burst of just, okay, I, an idea or a concept and I just have to write it mainly, just to put it out and mm-hmm. put it down, you know, on paper. But it doesn't come to me very often. Usually, like my writing comes when like, I'm thinking of characters, I'm thinking of storyline, and I'm like, I'm gonna go work on writing this scene that I've been working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wrote during the pandemic a poem about a spider because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like in my bathroom. <laughs> poem. Yeah, I think I just posted on like Facebook or something. Cool. But and I can't quote it for you. I can't remember it all. But it was. Um, Just something that, just a moment that hit me, you know, I was like in the shower and saw this little spider in my tub that I was like, normally in the past I would have just been like, oh, let me point the shower head and wash it down and kill it. And I don't know, just one of those moments of like, just showing mercy, like, I'm gonna help this thing out. And, you know, I'm just gonna let it live. And then for, like, weeks, it was just setting up its web in my bathroom in different mm-hmm. spots. And it was just, like, this one, like, little spider with long little legs. And I I don't know. It was, like, I don't even know what it was catching in there. You know? I'm like, what know. bugs are... I don't, I don't know what you're, even like, Eagle living on in there. The mm-hmm. Right. But it was just... I don't know. This moment of just thinking about... um. Me and the spider are no different. We're all just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. It was just a moment of like... That's cool. And like the world, I don't know, the metaphor of the poem was just thinking about how the world's like this bathtub and mm-hmm. we can set our energy to just wash it down, <laughs> um, let the world spiral us out, you know, um, But moments of grace, maybe we could just spin our web above it, you know?
0: Yeah, kind I of thing.
1: I also took the same approach with cockroach problem, and now I have a cockroach problem. (laughs) No, so there is a point where you have to like, this is my home, and you're invading my space. I can't uh, create a whole ecosystem inside my house, you know. Even though they're kind boundaries, yeah. Like, hey, you know, like at first I thought we had a symbiotic relationship. Like, you know, the roaches will just like (laughs) eat the scraps or crumbs I drop on the floor, but like. Suddenly, you turn on the light, and there's, like, 30 of them. You're like, oh, I need to call... Uh, an exterminator. An exterminator. We got to gotta get, you know... You got to go set a poem somewhere else. Sorry. you know, you, you're...
2: No poems for cockroaches, Micah? <laughs> no poems for cockroaches.
1: <laughs> I, I am Not prejudiced worthy. to certain bugs. <laughs> like, I have certain bug preferences. There's a poem you, know?
2: you wrote, I remember... I thought about it recently. Um, I think it may have been a poem to your grandmother. Or it's a poem you entered into a contest... Um, where it's like the years are whispering, we are coming.
1: Mm, yeah,
2: or something like that. Yeah, yeah, they
1: actually published that in the Kansas City Voices yeah. magazine. Yeah,
2: I really, really liked that poem.
1: Yeah, that was like a poem, just kind of sharing a lot of little snapshots of my childhood mm-hmm. and just growing up on the farm with my family and my sisters and my brother and jumping on hay bales and mud sliding and. Mm-hmm. Um, and just all the while, the years, the months are singing. We are coming. We are coming. Mm-hmm. We, we are, are here. here. You know, yeah. and so just this kind of mantra of like, mm.
0: you
1: know, it's the passing of time and kind mm-hmm. of death. But like, you know, at some point we all will sing together. That's kind of how the poem concludes. Like, we are that. here. You know,
2: brings like, us back to the timeline of your timeline of your life. You'll get to the <laughs> end
1: and you'll realize we are here. You know, we've arrived. Uh, it is inevitable it is inevitable Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and yet what we do with ourselves with people the sacredness of the journey it's Mm -hmm. all kind of the point of it all Uh, but you know there's some uh, moments to just uh, yeah breathe in that hay bale (laughs) yeah (laughs) enjoy those moments yeah, yeah being present with it I really liked what you shared about being present mm-hmm. um, with yourself on the walk and just, um, I don't know, there's a sacredness in that. It feels so tedious sometimes mm-hmm. to like, it's hard to say. all right, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated, and angry. You know, I don't want to breathe right now. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. want to be present. Um, and it just inevitably always does something soothing to the mind yep. to just do that.
2: Yeah, cultivating that awareness of the moment or even just like appreciating like how you could appreciate like the smell of the hay bales and the jumping on the hay bales, you know right. enough to remember it now like you remember those details I feel like that's the stuff that we keep you yeah. know once we get to the 47 <laughs> the unhappy right. age is like those moments that we remember like if we keep doing that then we're going to definitely cultivate something that's a little happier in the future moment if like we're being aware right now in this moment
1: yeah. yeah. Well, just curious, you know, for our guests and stuff who don't know you, you know. Um, <laughs> you grew up in KCK?
2: I did. I grew up in Wyandotte County, KCK girl.
1: So, what, what are some of the memories that come to your mind, like just off the top of your head? You know, uh, don't have to be the romanticized. Burying
2: you know, but... pets in the backyard.
1: <laughs> Wait, you did that too? Everyone... Yeah, we, we totally, yeah. Everybody Animals die on the memories. farm. We always have to bury them on the farm. Yeah. <laughs> Which
2: I guess is like, you know, somewhat of a, a beautiful symbolism of like being one with death. Not really. It was always really sad <laughs> <laughs> to bury. Mostly guinea pigs mostly that are buried in our backyard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Like p- playing with the neighbors. I'm, I have a lot of those memories of like riding bikes around. We had a dog and a cat the so last memories of pets I feel like we spent a lot of time outside that yeah. I remember like just running around the neighborhood not very much supervision which is funny having kids now because I feel like I'm constantly like watching them <laughs> 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 like that was how much hell it was we were just like free a little freer so I don't know things have changed though quite a bit but yeah, lots of, of, of fun, good memories of being a kid and just, like, creating stuff and using mud and sticks to just make up things, <laughs> you know, making up games and being creative. We didn't have electronics. We had, like, a, one of those big computers, but it was, like, a dial-up where you had to, like, put in the CD mm. and dial up the internet <laughs> and Oh, wait. yeah. Yeah. Like, CD-ROM. It was, yeah. So we really weren't tuned into electronics as much. We had, like, little handheld, you know, games and stuff, but... Yeah, those are fun times
1: yeah gosh so what i've read some recently um something that's unique to us mm-hmm. as being in the millennial generation you know now that most millennials are like i think they're late 20s kind of 34 35 mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. mid, you know and we're growing up but what's interesting about our generation is we literally witnessed that major gap shift of like between mm-hmm. the like the technological explosion. <clears true>. Ooh, <throat> yeah. Like the phones in our pockets now yep. have more technological adva- advancements than like astronauts did when they went to the moon.
0: Mm-hmm. And you and
1: I like grew up like having the Atari video games,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, like watching AOL chat rooms and all the yeah. <laughs> no social media no facebook yet and we were we witnessed that and so we're like in this weird not weird but just like um transitional period we're like younger kid generations like that's all they're going to know
0: yeah they're just
1: going to know that there's social media yes. you know pick and choose snapchat tiktok mm-hmm. insta you know um but then yeah having like always having access to just like a phone or a tablet yeah. you know and so i i always have this like feeling that my parents, I think, had, or probably our parents had, is just like, go play outside. Like, <laughs> you know, don't watch TV. Like, you know, and I always, you know, was annoyed by that. I mean, I loved playing outside, so don't get wrong, but like, once we had a Super Nintendo and I'm playing it for hours, and Mom's like, you've been playing that enough. Go play outside. It's like, what? But I'm <laughs> I'm trying to beat Donkey Kong, you know? Like, and uh, now I see though, they've, like, and if I have kids one day, am I going to be like, you know, yeah, you should just throw a tablet in their hand, you know, like the new babysitter, you know, like, here's a tablet, like just watch yourself, you know. And
0: mm-hmm. now I'm almost like, well,
1: what kind of parent will I be? Will I be like, no, you can't get that chip planted in your head.
0: Like, just just this be really happy
1: with fortune. your video game virtual reality headset thing (laughs) like (laughs) your glasses where i
2: can just blink my eyes and make whatever video game come real into my life and right who knows
1: the future is gonna be really weird it is
2: because can you imagine i mean and if you think about you know this is there's pandemics every 100 years but this is the first pandemic where we've still been this connected with one another
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know outside of our even our you know sheltering at home <laughs> you know even when you're sheltering at home you're still connected with like millions of people all over the world and it's the first time anything like that has happened for us and so i wonder what that is going to do to like human like evolution to the way we evolve socially that like this is the first pandemic that you know didn't really take us away from one another and we see that you know even in this pandemic through all the like social movements this last election here in the u.s yeah um and you know is the first time I remember seeing like people in France protesting for black lives matter for the movement. Wow. You know, and so imagine what that te- what, like, technology has done to social movements and the ways that we're connected with yeah. one another. That's powerful. That's it like powerful. A, a really powerful shift that's happening. So I'm kind of excited. I think, you know, having this pandemic as a moment for us to stand still, who knows how long this is going to go. But if we're in the moment, <laughs> For the sure. whole thing, then we'll be okay. But it is, it's going to be exciting to see what we become on the other side of this. Right. You know, just from a sociological perspective, the ways that it's like changing and adapting us. It will be interesting. Like maybe we will finally conquer pandemics. Like maybe this will be the last pandemic in human history. You know, like that would be, I mean, I won't be here
1: in 100 years to see, but that would be awesome. <laughs> when we have the, Perfect vaccine. There'll be no haters about it, you know. <laughs> Wait, yeah, probably not. There'll always be the skeptics. You lots know. of people.
0: <clears throat> oh. Yeah.
1: Well, that's what's interesting. You know, there's like medical sciences that have to advance, but then how that's merging with technological advancements. Mm-hmm. So, like, literally, Elon Musk and them have like created this thing called Neuralink. Have mm-hmm. you heard of Neuralink?
2: No. What is this?
1: So Neuralink is basically a chip that they can attach to your. You know, and I don't know all the specifics about it, but it, it attaches into your your like cerebral cortex, like your mark your, of the beast. your your spine. Yeah, it's the mark of the beast. It's always it, when in doubt, it's probably the mark of the when beast. In doubt. <laughs> it's yeah. probably the mark of the beast. Um, but theoretically, like if you are experiencing, uh, like if you are a person who has epi- epileptic seizures, mm-hmm. and there's like a neurological like misfiring happening in your brain, this thing will be able to like detect it and send, like, a counter pulse, like, counter shock to, like, neutralize you from having a seizure. Theoretically, and, you know, again, it's all kind of still prototype. like, they've put it in pigs, like, they haven't started Mm -hmm. totally doing it on humans yet, but theoretically, like, if you have, like, nerve damage and you have lost your eyesight, this thing could potentially repair... Mm-hmm. nerve damage and repair eyesight and different things and like and like it's literally the first step like in his belief system like here his kind of thoughts are we're already cyborgs
0: mm-hmm.
1: like we already are like humans that like heavily revolve like like you're saying and then the pandemic right we're using our phones our technology like there's already extensions of ourselves
0: mm-hmm.
1: how we schedule our days and how we communicate with people but the the connective difference between our brain to our thumbs is slow right Mm -hmm. like to that interface is is the the hiccup in his mind and rather than like his belief is like rather than getting ai like artificial intelligence to do everything for us like eventually we need to be able as humans be able to interface with ai like be able to plug in so it's literally like Matrix shit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's literally like this Neuralink is probably like the first step to being able to, like you're saying, one day I can just blink a certain code, you know, and have it be able to, pl- you know, plug into a computer interface.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Like, it'll develop brain, com-
1: like, capacity even. Like, yeah. he says, like, the promise of this thing is like, you'll be able to, like, maybe even read faster, mm-hmm. retain knowledge better. Mm-hmm. Like, just some really sci fi kind of scary shit that, like, I don't know if it would make, like, that's what I find interesting. Is like, like on the one hand, like I studied like social movement rhetoric. Like yeah. I studied, like I studied Ferguson and Black Lives Matter and how like social media and those images of hands up, don't shoot, I can't breathe, how they like led into like spawning like this social movement of Black Lives Matter was like mm-hmm. this evolution of different hubs and pockets of like major stories. Like we've been talking about the story is what moves people toward action yeah and so in the one sense like social media and all these things have created like solutions to like raise awareness uh, elevate issues you know and at the same time it's creating like social disconnection like there's all sorts of studies that like people are having trouble communicating like on a one-on-one so like that's where like you and I as millennials have like more of an advantage right like yes, we were forced to have that. to yeah. talk to adults interact with other kids mm-hmm. more on a face-to-face basis and play outside without technology you know like we have both best of both worlds kind of thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but I think there's a lot of concern for like younger generations that They'll go and try to build relationships and everything, and they'll always have this, like, Instagram idealistic Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) expectations
1: of, like, what a person looks like, what what are perfect features, like these, literally these filter apps that you can take a picture of yourself, and it changes the, you know, your facial structure just slightly. Mm -hmm. Brings it a little more, and that's what people's perceptions of themselves can be distorted.
2: Interesting. So I don't know. I,
1: I think, like... Yeah, we can use Zoom and connect with family and people that the pandemic, you know, we were cut off from them. Mm -hmm. And yet, what will the future look like if that's how humans interact permanently? Yeah, it's like the
2: downside to technology. It's like, what do you sacrifice
1: for these, you know,
2: advantages?
1: Right. That you get. It's always a double-edged sword. It is,
2: yeah. Very much a double-edged sword. That's interesting. I'd like to think overall connection is a good thing. Though, because it makes us realize, especially in a pandemic, like how much we are connected together. So, when somebody in China gets a disease, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it affects everybody in the world. Like, we really have an interest in everybody, you know, having good health care and having justice. Absolutely. Globally.
1: Right. Like, part of the problem is that maybe it's not the technology itself, but maybe it's the ideology behind the American, like, rhetoric, right? Which is, like, you are an individual. You know, the whole, like, we don't think as a collective anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, these are my, this is my community. This is my my tribe. It's, you know, even maybe that's why we going back to the whole why people are so disappointed at 47. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, 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 we carry so much burden yeah. on us as individuals of having to attain and become something as a me, my guy, I have to actualize, you know?
0: Camera 2 fails brief intermission
2: so what made you want to start this podcast micah what's your inspiration
0: well
1: most of my inspiration for wanting to start this podcast was so i didn't have to write a blog (laughs) like i just genuinely uh like to spend my time like you know i work full-time jobs i'm I'm working as a communications manager and most of my roles outside of the creative world I'm trying to do on the side and so I just kind of accepted in myself that like hey like my books and everything else is more of just the thing I do on the side I can't make money from it yet Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) and uh, I'd rather spend you know when I'm at my computer all day for my job doing marketing communications and I'm writing content for their social media their website their things you know um it could be fulfilling in itself, but when it comes time to like, oh, I'm going to sit down and write a blog, <laughs> I just realized I don't have a lot of like the mental energy to spend also writing another couple hours on my computer at night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in college, I was in speech and debate, and so I did a lot of like, you know, stand, you know we did, you know, um, you know um even individual events like mm-hmm. doing impromptu speaking um doing prose you know and so i just realized i kind of miss the art form of just dialoguing with people mm-hmm. as like not just like i have a thought and an argument and i'm going to write it out in a very concise blog that people will spend 2 3 minutes reading and that's all you got their attention for and then they don't really hear my whole views on that thing. Mm-hmm. Like I only get this them for the short window of time to read something. So then I post it, and then half the time people just read the title. <laughs> and then they're like, you know, hey, I'm just going to critique or, you know, dog on everything you're writing on this one blog post. And it's like, well, now you have to listen to an hour-long podcast before you want to really <laughs> – like now you actually have to invest in being a part of my life before, mm-hmm. you, you know. And so, it's, and I don't know, it Just I just realized that – uh, I miss. I mean, part of it's the pandemic. Like, I, I I'm I have a treat by having you here. You know, like I'm not always going to get to have a podcast recording like this where I can have somebody in the space. But I wanted mm-hmm. to set up for both, like either to host people here in my house or do it virtually. You know, yeah. do it across the way. So whoever, you know, whatever works best for folks. But I just realized that, um, yeah, like. At the end of the day, like, I want to write books, spend my energy on those things, and then I also, like, want to be able to talk about the social issues and the things that my blog was trying to, like, you know, cover, mm-hmm. but rather than focusing all that mental energy on just writing one blog post that's really short and doing series of it, like, hey, I'll just have guests on, and we'll have conversations about life, art, activism, spirituality, and mm-hmm. um, just kind of cover the array of things that I find interesting mm-hmm. um, sci-fi technology and um, just make it a point to uh, yeah I, at the very least when only three people listen to it <laughs> or a hundred people or whatever mm-hmm. I got to have I feel like I grow from these conversations I okay. get to like, so I thought I, there's no loss to it you know versus writing a blog it's like yeah I'm processing my thoughts in a very concise way it's an, it's an exercise in itself mm-hmm. But it's siloed. It's just me doing this thing. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I want to do something that like gives me the opportunity to engage people on a one-on-one basis. I love that. Friends, yeah. artists, activists in the area. That is cool. Yeah. I'm glad you did it. And the theme for Pray for Micah is really just an inside joke with friends. <laughs> it uh, started off with, uh, yeah... Sam Schwagler, he, he's a, you know friend and lives in Tennessee and um, he really was using it as like a kind of a fat shaming technique, <laughs> as like a joke um, and you know he could try to say otherwise but that's essentially what it was <laughs> He was like, hashtag pray for Micah, you know, mm-hmm. like Micah's gotta wait a lot and it kind of just took you know, unfortunate thing about Sam is that he'll just keep a thing going forever and then it becomes so I'm kind of like wearing it kind of like, you know, like <laughs> people you know like you know yeah like oh i'm queer you know i'm just gonna own that title now now it's like yeah okay and then it just became a funny joke because then like i legit had past like church friends message me out of the blue during the pandemic yeah god knows why but they were just like hey thinking about your man praying for you mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like hey that's fine if you're praying for me i'm not like gonna take that as like necessarily a negative thing Mm -hmm. but like what a random thing to say yeah like usually that's a connotation of like you're struggling and (laughs) we're worried about we're praying for you you, Mike (laughs) so I just kind of realized like people who listen to the show are probably going to be like yeah so certain folks will probably like you know well we need to be praying for Micah (laughs) (laughs) going off on the the defense so I just thought what 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 a better title than that And then just to kind of, I don't know, for me, I'm trying to, this is like my own spiritual like exploration attempt Mm -hmm. with this podcast. Like, yes, like, hey, you know, uh, I'm not rejecting like my upbringing, Mm -hmm. my family, Mm -hmm. my spiritual walk, like being a Christian back then. I'm trying to own all of that as part of who I am.
0: Yeah.
1: And also recognizing that that's not where I was. I'm not where I'm not where I was back then. Yeah. That's not who I am anymore. Yeah. You could try to throw labels on it, like, I'm a universalist, I'm agnostic, mm-hmm. what have you. Um, like but that. at the end of the day, like, um, the Pray for Micah theme is still kind of a nod towards the idea of the spiritual, the divine, of prayer. Mm-hmm. Like, what is meditation? What is prayer? Yeah. That intention of inward and outward um, being. And I s-
2: love that. So yeah. the podcast is kind of recording that process or that, you know processing those things. I like that. I like the spiritual
1: tone to it, too. And just, you know, and to just poke fun some of, like, my <laughs> homeschool church upbringing. You know, not like, again yeah, like, I love it and it made me who I am today, but just, you know, for fun, kicks and grins, like, let's, let's just, you know, it's, if you can't laugh at yourself, what, you know, what what is there to do, you know, in life, you This know? is true.
2: You got to find the humor in it. Right. That's cool. Well, I'm so glad that you had me on the Pray for Micah podcast.
1: Yes Uh, Before you go You want to do a quick Pray for Micah segment Where I share a story with you Of course
2: (laughs) So So I don't have What should we pray for Micah about
1: Oh yeah Time for a pray for Micah story Well uh, uh, The story I want to share with you Is a time where I was in youth group And My pastor came up to me before the service and he said, Micah, today I'm going to be teaching about love, the theme about love, and how we just kind of use the word love flippantly. You know, I love my girlfriend, I love my car, I love God, and just how much meaning it's lost in us. And so I'm going to, he gives me a Snickers bar, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: he says, you uh, know when i give you the signal i want you to like jump up freak out about this like snickers bar just talk about how much you love it you know and so sure enough he's preaching he gets to the point he gives me the signal and i just like jump up and i'm like oh my god <laughs> i'm like this snickers bar and everybody in the youth group's like whoa what's happening mm-hmm. and oh there's like this little skit unfolding kind of thing and uh I'm like, thank God for the Snickers bar. You're so beautiful. I'm like, slowly unraveling. You know? Mm -hmm. And (laughs) just like, give it to me. I can't wait to get it in my mouth. And I just started like slowly, you know, at first licking it and putting it in my mouth. And like kind of. Doing a back and forth motion, and <laughs> everybody's <laughs> everybody's laughing. Everyone is roaring in the church, and I'm just thinking they're laughing because I'm being goofy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like 13, 14 year old Micah, don't know anything about this stuff. And uh, you know, he go pastor goes on to make his point. I sit back down, you know. And after the mes- after the service is over, everyone's come up to me and is like, "Oh my God, Micah, that was hilarious!" And everyone's just like. <laughs> Jesus. And then someone looked at me and was like, Man, Mike, you really love that Snickers, didn't you? And like, <laughs> give me that wink, wink. And I'm like, And then finally, like, my sister or somebody was like, Micah, why did you do that? Like, you, know, you realize what you did? Like, everyone thinks like you were just giving that Snickers a blowjob, you know? Like, <laughs> and I just like, I didn't realize that's what was. Oh my God, no! And it just like suddenly, it just like all the humor was gone. I'm just like mortified. Like, oh, oh my goodness. I can't believe that's what everyone thought. Like, <laughs> so. A good reason to pray for Mike. <laughs> we gotta pray for Mike. Because, uh, uh, yeah, he, he has way too, he gets too excited about Snickers bars, apparently. <laughs>
2: But I like the innocence of that story, though. It's like you were very innocent. You yeah. were just like, you know, enjoying yourself, and the way that it was perceived, <laughs> right, was something
1: other. But I like
2: the, it, the it's funny because of your innocence. And
1: that's usually what most of my stories are going to be. It's like usually like Mike was pretty kind of closed off, pretty sheltered, and so the innocence is is the beautiful part about it. Mm. But it's also like <laughs> just the funny kind of like, yeah. Pray for
2: Micah.
0: <laughs> I love that.
2: <laughs> I think it's cool. I feel like a lot of the or good music that I've heard, I've heard from you. You always have really good music, like Trevor Hall. I'd never heard Trevor Hall before you, so that's one of the cool things. Like, is like all of the like art and creative things that you're into
1: are pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why you're here because we need to make art together, be Maybe creative our together. Podcast is art. Thank you so much for being here, Nika. We'll mm-hmm. see you Thanks next time. we see you soon. Oh, where can we find you online, real quick?
2: Um, so you can um, on Facebook, IAMI Nika Renee says, shot, Poet Nika Renee on Instagram, and then soulcentricity.com for my tea shop.
1: Perfect. And as always, folks, you can look for Pray for Micah Pod on all of your social media Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Pray for Micah Pod, and then go to PrayForMicah.com if you want to access more episodes. And make sure to like, share, subscribe on Pray for Micah Podcast. All your streaming services. And most importantly, make sure to pray for Micah. And make sure you actually pray for me. (laughs) Don't just do all those things, but also pray for me. Thanks for joining me for the Pray for Micah Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe on this channel, and follow me on social media, Pray for Micah Pod, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and yes, TikTok. We'll see you next time.
0: You are now re-entering the normal world.